Some things I hear all the time are, where is my motivation? Why am I not motivated? Why can I never let others down, but I always let myself down? What's wrong with me? Can you relate? There's nothing wrong with your motivation. I love you. You are pure magic. You can learn how to create weight loss strategies that will actually work in sync with how you're naturally and magically wired and motivated. Instead of trying to change yourself, let's celebrate who you are and lean into it while setting up your environment for success. In this month's Motivation Magic class, you'll learn, are you an abstainer or a moderator? You'll find out how to work your magic into keto with carb cycling and planned deviations. Are you an upholder, questioner, rebel, or obliger? Knowing the answer can magically transform your weight loss journey. You'll finally unlock strategies that will work for you. Taking these personality tests is so fun and helpful for learning about your own unique motivation magic and how to apply this to your health goals and really any goal you have for yourself. When you sign up for this recorded class, you can watch it whenever is good for you and have access to it forever. Sign up for $22 at bit.ly slash self-care keto class, or click the link in the show notes. Welcome back to the self-care keto podcast. I'm your coach, Jess, and I'm on a mission to create a magical healing experience to release the weight on your body and soul. Certainly that is what keto felt like to me when I first started out. It felt like a magical experience, like How has nobody ever told me about this before? Finally, I feel full. I feel satisfied. I'm free from the constant food thoughts. I'm free from the shame cycle every single day. And I leveraged that capacity, the brain space that it created. I leveraged that new mental capacity to start to heal my relationship with food and weight and body image. And it didn't take long for me to have a dream in my heart to become a coach and create that same magical healing experience for other women. So if that is why you are here today, welcome. If you didn't know what the heck this was about, welcome and get ready because you're going to love it. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast and I'm growing constantly. Thank you so much um, you know, for sharing this podcast with family and with friends and for tuning in every single week. Today, we're going to be talking about food boundaries and your hormones. So I'm really excited to dive into that topic with you all. But before I do, just a couple of little life updates from me. I don't know if you find it helpful to just like hear like a little snippet about like what's going on in the person's life of the podcast that you're listening to, but I just want to share a little bit about myself to help you feel like you're getting to know me. I certainly would love to get to know you. Um, So a great way to get to know me better and to allow me to get to know you better is to engage with me on social media. I'm probably the most active on Instagram. I am at the keto fit, all one word. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook with the same handle. I'm also on LinkedIn. So wherever is good for you, I would love to be able to interact with you and get to know you better. Also, you can jump on my email list. If you head over to theketofit.com, you're going to see a little pop-up for a free resource from me, a keto kickstart guide. So you can just sign up for that and input your email, and then I'll be showing up in your inbox probably about three or four times a week. I love getting replies and talking to you over email. So if you're not a social media person and um, you would prefer it that way, I would just love to... um, 
be in your inbox. So yeah, um, we just got back from a cruise to Alaska a couple of weeks ago. That was amazing. And we're actually getting ready to take another cruise here to Mexico within a couple of weeks. And just a little something about me is that my husband and I, we really love to travel. And my husband is a part-time travel agent. So we get some amazing deals sometimes. And this next cruise to Mexico just kind of popped out of nowhere. Um, but I'm really excited to be able to do that. Uh, we have been married for 17 years and we both work from home, which has its challenges at times. Uh, my husband is traveling right now, so I have a nice quiet house to record this podcast. Uh, my daughter is five and she just finished kindergarten. She's at summer camp right now. And I cannot believe that we're getting ready to have her start first grade. And it feels like a big deal for her to start first grade because she's actually changing schools for the first time. So she has been at the same daycare since she was a tiny little baby and they have a a pre-K and a kindergarten. So she she just went there for her whole life. And so this is the first time um, she's switching schools. She's going to be going to public school. And we're really excited. So for us, this kind of feels like a huge, like real first day of school type of situation. I know for a lot of people, it is kindergarten, but just for us with the way our life was set up, it feels pretty huge and I'm very emotional about it. (laughs) So I'm excited to take this one last cruise as a family, um, you know, before school starts and just kind of like make a big summer memory um, together as a family to be able to do that. So, okay, let's dig in. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about food boundaries and your hormones. So I am so excited to record this episode because, um, first of all, it's a follow-up to episode 89, which is called How to Create Your Food Boundaries. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I really recommend that you go back and listen to that one first. Um, So this is something that I love to work with my clients on is designing their own food boundaries. And I try to talk about this a lot because... I feel like so many of us, and maybe this is you, struggle with this like perfectionistic mindset, this all or nothing mindset where you're either on or you're off keto or whatever type of diet or, you know, strategy that you're trying to follow um, to reach your goals, but you're either on or off and it's like all or nothing. Just like if you miss perfection, then you might as well go completely off the rails (laughs) And then, you know, of course, it doesn't make any logical sense to do that. Like good, of course, is better than, you know, horrible, right? But as soon as we lose perfection, we're just like, oh, screw good. I'm just going to go go for horrible, right? And I used to do this all the time and I am a recovering perfectionist. So I really, really identify with this. Um, but I find for even those of us who are not kind of like natural perfectionists in our overall personality, we still do this. And I think it's just because of the way that we've been conditioned about what it means to quote unquote, be on a diet. And I'm kind of on a mission to just really break out of that mindset, like that diet mentality mindset, I feel like can be so harmful. And it is really, really damaging to your self-esteem more than anything, right? Because you make these vows to yourself, these promises to yourself, and then the bar is set way too high. And honestly, it can be so unrealistic sometimes to expect perfection of yourself constantly, um, especially when there's so many factors to consider, which we're going to start to dig into one today, which is your hormones, um, that you're really setting yourself up for failure. And then when you quote unquote fail, you know, you blame yourself instead of any kind of outside circumstances to yourself. You just blame yourself like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm, um, you know, undisciplined or, um, I'm inconsistent or I'm unmotivated or, you know, that it's just some type of character defect or weakness within you, 
right? Like you're the problem, not that the food is the problem or that the strategy is the problem or that the diet's the problem or that the, um, you know, that hormones are the problem or anything like that. You're the problem, right? And so I'm just, this really just grinds my gears. Like I just want to help people get free from this mentality because it's such a harmful belief that is holding you back in your weight loss journey and probably in most areas of your life. So Go back and listen to episode 89 first if you haven't done so yet, because that is going to walk you through how to break out of this all or nothing mentality and expand your version of success, expand your definition of success by, first of all, shifting from thinking about it as food restrictions, um, which are dictated by somebody else and you are just complying with, to food boundaries, which are set by you in an empowering way, in a way that adds um, more safety and more pleasure to your life. The same as with any other boundary that you set. The goal is that the boundary keeps you safe and helps you enjoy your life more. And with the food boundaries episode, I go over an analogy of setting up your food dartboard. So basically, you know, think about the bullseye, right? Of course, we're aiming for the bullseye whenever we play darts, right? But you still get points if you land in the circle right outside of that. Um, And then in the outermost circle as well. So there's three circles that you're still getting points for that are still considered a success. And really um, the only way to fail, I suppose, is to entirely miss the dartboard, right? So uh, with foods, you're going to decide which foods go in your bullseye. What are you aiming for optimally, right? Especially on a weight loss journey, right? And then the circle right outside of that is your sometimes circle, um, and the circle right, right outside of that, the outermost circle would be your rarely circle. So kind of making some allowances. Like, yeah, there are situations in life that sometimes I would like to eat these foods. And there are situations in life and rarely I would like to eat these foods. And in the first episode, again, it's episode 89, um, really we kind of focus on what social plans, you know, do you want to take into account for that? Like weekends or maybe a sometimes, is it seeing family, vacations, celebrations, things like that, where maybe you do want to have a slice of wedding cake at your sister's wedding, right? Maybe you do want to um, eat some more fruit or uh, ice cream when you're on vacation, whatever it might be. Um, But to actually make allowances for that and to give yourself permission for that, Um, you'll find that you feel so different when you open up your definition of success and then you actually do what you said you would do because you planned for it, right? And so when you do what you say you're going to do, you feel good about that. It could be the exact same food. Let's say that you have one scoop of regular ice cream on vacation, but you had already pre-planned mentally, like, yes, that is going to feel so good to me. That's going to feel so life-giving. That's going to feel like self-care for me. I'm going to really enjoy the hell out of this. And then you do that, right? And that you would feel good about doing it because you did exactly what you said you were going to do. As opposed to being really, really strict with yourself and be like, no, I'm in weight loss mode, no excuses. Every every day, even vacation, I'm going to stay in the bullseye. Um, and it's just kind of unrealistic. And then you know everybody is having ice cream and you feel left out and you feel deprived. And then you do end up choosing to have one scoop of ice cream. But afterwards, you would feel so differently, right? Because you'd be like, oh, I failed or I betrayed myself or whatever it might be, right? So that's why it's so important to create your own food dartboard. Nobody else is going to dictate to you how to do that. It's all about you and what would work best for you. So I certainly won't tell you what to do. I don't tell my clients what to do. I help them think through it. But food boundaries are about empowering you to decide what is success for you. 
and you will feel so good doing that. So make sure that you take the time to do that. And then today we're going to dig into another factor to consider in terms of what foods go in your sometimes circle, what foods go in your rarely circle um, by looking at your hormones. Okay. So the dartboard analogy was really one of my favorites. And I have another analogy for your hormones. And really kind of factoring things into your food boundaries in general is kind of like dressing for the weather. You're going to look at the weather forecast before you get dressed in the morning, right? Or at least most of us do. So um, I worked with a friend a few years ago, and she was a military spouse, and they had been in Germany for a while. And she said that while she was in Germany, um, she learned this phrase, and I do have a German client. I verified this as well. She said, yep, that's a thing we say. Okay, so the phrase is, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. And I really loved this little saying, right? Because we tend to look at the weather and we're like, ugh, gross, it's raining, I hate rain, blah, 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 blah. Some people love rain. They're like, oh my gosh, I love rain. I love to just make a hot cup of tea and so on and so forth. So it really is all about perspective, right? So imagine that you have a favorite outfit, okay? So your favorite outfit is maybe some skinny jeans and a three-quarter sleeve, nice little flowy top. Okay, I don't know what your style is, but just go with me here. So imagine that this is your favorite outfit and you want to wear your favorite outfit or maybe that kind of uniform, that like um, style every single day of the week, the month, the year, as though it should just be 70 degrees and sunny with no humidity every single day. Wouldn't that be nice, right? But we do not live in San Diego. Oh my gosh, I've been to San Diego. It's incredible. Um, It's expensive. (laughs) But we don't live in San Diego as women, right? We live in an area with our hormones that experiences all four seasons of the year. And the weather forecast is different day to day. Our hormones are different day to day. Okay, so as women, that's the case. Men and their hormones they're on a 24-hour cycle with their hormones. So that yes, they do have hormonal fluctuations, but it is the same predictable pattern every 24 hours. Women do not have this same hormonal pattern as men. We are on a 28-day cycle, right? And our hormones are different every single day of the month. Now, we can group them into categories, and we're going to do that, um, and I'm going to go over that. Um, so there can be definitely some predictability, right? Same as with the weather forecast, we do have meteorologists who are very brilliant at these things, right? And we look to them, we're like, hey, okay, predict for me what the weather's going to be like, right? We can look 10 days out now. I love that. Um, But basically, men, in this analogy, they can wear the same outfit every single day, hormonally speaking. And we compare ourselves to them and we think it's unfair, right? We want to be able to wear that favorite outfit every single day of the week. But with a little mindset shift, we can think, well, we get to change outfits, we get to wear different styles, different, you know, tank, we can wear tank tops some days, we can wear short sleeves some days, we can wear cozy sweaters some days. We get to experience different weather every single day. And honestly, it's kind of patriarchal BS to feel like it's unfair, right? Like, and I'm saying that because I used to feel that way, but now I actually feel so differently. Now I actually view my changing hormones Um, and the different seasons that I go through as a superpower. And I'm going to go over with you guys how each different season of your hormones is a superpower. So most weather is predictable. Like when you're thinking about your social plans along with your food boundaries, you can pretty much predict your social plans for the most part. Sure, definitely sometimes stuff comes up, 
you know, spontaneously. Um, but for the most part, you can predict your social plans pretty far out. Um, emotions, though, are sometimes kind of more unpredictable, right? And so maybe in your food boundaries, you're taking into account like, okay, my sometimes circle would be like if I had a hard day at work or if I got into a fight with my mother, <laughs> you know, things that such some kind of, um, you had a job um, review, your you had like your performance review and your boss gave you some, you know, constructive criticism that kind of hurt you when you weren't really prepared for, or it's just really stressful. So sometimes we don't know when life is going to sideswipe our nervous systems or emotions sometimes. And, you know, sometimes we're finding ourselves, you know, we didn't predict the weather and we're running with a grocery bag over our heads, you know, just trying to make do with what we can. So that certainly happens sometimes. And, you know, if you want to allow for like, okay, I had a really hard day emotionally, so I'm going to dip into the sometimes circle instead of the bullseye, like, of course, that's totally fine. Like, it's it's okay as long as, and I, and I really encourage you to take that into account when you're making your food dartboard, that you could write that down for yourself, that you could be like, okay, I'm aiming for the bullseye, but when something happens and I'm struggling emotionally, it's okay for me to dip into the sometime circle. It's okay for me to do a little bit of self-soothing with some different foods that I wouldn't normally eat, but they're not bad for me. Like they don't make me feel crappy. Um, it's just kind of uh, allowing for some more variety in food or a food that gives me a little bit more pleasure, um, maybe like strawberries, right? Like I'm just going to like eat a whole quarter of strawberries and some too good yogurt, even though it's not in my bullseye to eat that, um, maybe for you, I'm just giving an example, but I'm going to do that when I've had a hard day because it's a hell of a lot better than, you know, eating a bunch of crap that is going to make me feel horrible, right? So, In this episode, I'm going to break down the four seasons of your menstrual cycle in a very general way to kind of let you know what the weather forecast is like for each and what the superpower for each season is. And if you can understand and plan your life around your menstrual cycle the same way that you would plan your outfits around the weather, um, and this would include your work, your social plans, your exercise routine, and what you eat, man, this is such a game changer. So I started doing this a few years ago and it massively changed my life. So yes, totally, I work for myself, right? So I can plan my work activities around my menstrual cycle, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Um, But as much as possible, if you can plan your life around your menstrual cycle, it's amazing, and also it's just so validating, right? Like if you start to track your hunger and your cravings and your emotions each day for a few months, it doesn't take long before you can be having a weird day and you realize, oh, I'm, I'm not crazy, it's just day 19. <laughs> and you just have so much more grace for yourself. You can laugh at yourself and you can give yourself to, uh, permission to eat differently without guilt or fear. So let's get into the overview. Um, and again, I'm gonna, I'm going to dial into food a lot more after we do the general overview. So, okay, imagine that your menstrual cycle is um, like the four seasons of the year. So there's winter, there's spring, there's summer, and there is autumn. And when I go over this, I'm going to be using an example of a 28-day cycle. I know that not every woman is on a 28-day cycle. Um, So in general, I think kind of the general consensus is like a healthy cycle is probably anywhere between, you know, 26 to 31 days. Um, So if you're having a different cycle than that, and you haven't spoken to your doctor about that yet, I definitely recommend that you do um, speak to your primary care or your OBGYN to kind of go over um, what could potentially be going on there um, because there may be something going on um, hormonally 
um, or from a health perspective clinically that is messing with your menstrual cycle. And menstrual cycle health is so important. It's basically your fifth vital sign as a woman. So it's important to pay attention to it. Um, But in general, a healthy cycle is anywhere between 26 to 31 days. So But again, I'm going to be using a 28-day cycle here. So kind of you're going to want to obviously um, integrate this for you individually and what works for you. So the winter season is when you're actually on your period, when you are menstruating, bleeding. So day one is the first day that you start bleeding. And winter season would kind of be days one through five of your period. So um, I bleed for about five days. I don't know about you. Um, It's kind of common for most people. Um, but your energy levels here, you're going to be really low energy and low hormones. Your, as far as emotions go, um, there can be a lot of resurfacing of emotions that maybe you have suppressed for a little while. So you're going to feel highly emotional, um, particularly if there's grief that's been suppressed. Um, so, you know, we kind of make jokes about it, but crying when you're on your period, it's okay. Um, you're just a little bit more sensitive to your emotions and it's a really great time to actually pay attention to how you're feeling. Um, your body is bringing these things up to your attention for a reason. Again, look at it as a gift. Look at it as a superpower. It's not a curse. It's not a hindrance. It's not a limitation on you. There's a very good reason why our bodies are designed this way. So pay attention to how you're feeling. What to do during this time of the month is a really great time to clear your calendar and spend time alone, be at home, taking it easy as much as possible. So, you know, clear your calendar from social plans, um, you know, basically give your yourself a chance to really lean into the superpower, which is going to involve you being alone, right? So your superpower this time of the month is it's the best time for planning and clarity. It is a really good time to, you know, work rise, review any reports and data that you're responsible for where you could actually, you know, see some trends and do something with that information. It's a good time to hit a big reset button on your life and thinking about your future vision, where am I going? What am I doing? What even is life? Like a lot of us feel these types of emotions during this time, but use it as a superpower. It's a great time to um, envision the future that you want and to start setting some goals to journal and to reflect and to really get in touch with your intuition. This is the best time when your intuition is the highest. And if we just take the time to listen, it can be such a gift. Exercise wise, um, it's a it's a great time for just really low impact um, exercise, walking, yoga, something gentle like that. All right, spring. This is called the follicular phase. So winter was the menstruation phase, days one through five. Spring is the follicular phase, days six through twelve. So energy wise, I don't know if you noticed this. For me, it's usually like day three of my period is when my energy starts to pick back up. So around day three of your cycle, your estrogen starts to climb. So basically, um, you know, your your two heavy female hormones here are estrogen and progesterone. So with estrogen, you feel more energy. Progesterone, you feel lower energy. So um, day three, estrogen starts to climb. Um, Days five through six, you're really moving into the spring phase. So your energy is rising. With your emotional state, you probably will feel super focused and productive. Um, You will generally kind of feel like a lightness to you. And actually, like uh, even the lightness in your body, it's likely to be your lowest weight of the month around this time. Um, And estrogen kind of naturally suppresses your appetite. So Usually for me, I find that, you know, my lowest weight of the month and I am maintaining my weight um, is right around 
you know, day six, seven, eight, right after my period is over. What to do during this time is to plan out your whole month um, and your energy is going to start to peak, uh, pick back up. So it's a great time to start planning out your entire month, research stuff um, that you've been meaning to research for a while because you're going to start to feel a little bit more motivated. Um, try new things and activities um, and socialize. So you're going to feel more motivated during this time to like get stuff done, right? Um, your superpower during this time is to start new projects, brainstorming, problem solving. This is the best time to make important decisions. So you're going to feel a lot of clarity and focus and be able to be productive. So anything that requires you to problem solve or make a big important decision, that's the best superpower time to do this. All right. As far as exercise goes, um, you're able to tolerate more intense exercise during this time as your energy goes up. So a great time for cardio. These are not exercise recommendations from me, by the way. I'm just letting you know what kind of, um, whatever your exercise goals are hormonally. Like imagine that you have an exercise dartboard, right? So maybe you have a bullseye of like, this is the type of exercise that I'm trying to go for every day. But then this is my sometimes circle and sometimes my rarely circle for exercise. You could do that with um, set up a dartboard for exercise as well and take, take your hormones into account. Okay. So winter, menstruation, days one through five. Spring is the follicular, days six through 12. Now summer is your ovulation phase, typically days 13 through 17. Energy-wise, this is your hormonal peak. And you at this time will feel like superwoman, like you can actually be everything to everyone at this time of the month. You will have increased libido and extroversion and have a lot of fertile creative energy during this time. Emotionally, um, you can feel really vulnerable if you're not sure where to channel that extra energy. Um, I don't know. I feel that way sometimes. I feel like really wired and like I just want to like do stuff. But, you know, sometimes it can feel a little aggravating sometimes if other people in your circle or your family are not on that same type of energy. <laughs> and it, sometimes this can feel like anxiety and overwhelm or kind of erratic if you're unsure where or how to channel the energy. And you can also tend to feel angry and annoyed. Um, I typically <laughs> get really angry and annoyed with my partner during this time of the month, and I find it to be kind of funny. Um, I think that this is like God's little way of giving us a really high filter and high standards for choosing a sexual partner, right? So you just like your BS meter is just like your BS radar is just like picking up absolutely everything. Um, so give yourself a little bit of grace. Um, I find it so kind of funny and ironic because like this is the time when your libido is supposed to be the highest and you know, you can get pregnant and everything. Um, but you also tend to find yourself getting more angry and annoyed with your partner and it kind of like sabotages wanting to be intimate. <laughs> But yeah, I think that that's just, you know, nature's kind of little way of filtering to make sure that when you do choose somebody to be intimate with, that you are, you know, choosing a, the right partner for you. <laughs> um, not that I'm saying that your partner is not the right partner for you, but it's just a little bit of an evolutionary biological explanation for why you tend to feel more angry and annoyed. Okay, so what to do during this time? It's actually not a good time to be planning. Because with your energy being really high, you tend to overestimate the fact that you're going to have this endless supply of energy the whole month long, which is just so not true. So you end up over committing by saying yes to everything too much and then regretting it later um, because you know, you're know you in a high energy state and you're like, yeah, feeling great. So good. Let's get together next week and do this exact same thing as this week. No, 
no, <laughs> hormonally, you're not going to feel like doing the same things uh, next week as you are when you are feeling this high energy during ovulation. Um, so don't make plans. Um, but this is a great time to celebrate and enjoy yourself and also knocking out your to-do list. So your superpower during this time is heightened senses. So definitely heightened vision, smell, and taste. Again, I think this is probably, you know, the whole, you know, making sure that you are um, being really picky and choosing a great partner. Um, It is the easiest time to verbalize your thoughts and your feelings. It's your sexual peak. So this is the time when you actually naturally look most attractive. Um, So it's a great time to be seen, right? Anything that involves you being in the public eye um, or collaborating with others. So this is a great time for you to schedule job interviews. If you're looking for a job and people are looking at you, right? um, This is the time when um, everyone's looking to you in a job interview. So schedule your job interviews for when you're ovulating. Um, Schedule brainstorming sessions for this time, networking, any kind of public speaking, any important conversations. Um, scheduling date nights and play dates and times with friends that kind of involve more energy from you. This is your superpower during this time of the month. So also another interesting superpower is that pain is most naturally suppressed during this time of the month. So it's a great time to schedule like a dentist visit uh, that you haven't been looking forward to or a great time to schedule your OBGYN appointment. Nobody likes that when they go in there. But your pain levels are most naturally suppressed during this time. So good time to schedule that. As far as exercise goes, again, you're still set up to handle intense exercise like cardio. All right. And then, um, so we've talked about the winter phase, days one through five, spring phase, days six through 12, summer, days 13 through 17, and now getting into autumn or fall. Um, This is your luteal phase, and this is days 18 through 28. So the 10 days leading up to your period. From an energy perspective, um, days 18 through day two, like the first two days of your bleed, um, you are progesterone dominant. So you're going to have less energy during this time. Estrogen dominance is days 13 through 17, more energy. So days 18 through 23, the first half of your luteal phase, um, so those five days, you'll, you'll have more moderate energy, but then you'll notice a dip about five days out from your period. So during the luteal phase, you still do have energy, but you're just more discerning of how to use it, or it's a good time to be more discerning of how to use it. So progesterone is there to nurture a potential pregnancy, right? So nesting, right, (laughs) is a big thing during this time. So emotionally, you'll probably feel a lot more sensitive, um, more reserved. You might feel conflict about showing up for others. So, you know, if you overcommitted yourself, um, Earlier in the month, um, you're going to now start to feel that regret and feel conflict about um, all of the commitments that you have and you don't want to show up for them. You'd rather just be alone. It's a good time to set boundaries. It's a good time for reflecting um, and editing your life. But this can sometimes manifest as serious um, self-criticism and self-doubt. So you might find yourself just feeling really, really overwhelmed. You want to run away and avoid everything, right? Um, What to do during this time of the month is nesting, organizing, um, self-care, extra sleep. You kind of just want to like stay at home with a cozy blanket during this time. Um, So the superpower though is really this ability to reflect and edit, right? And this probably, you probably notice this in a negative way, like you notice all the shit that's wrong with everything and everyone, right? Like, and 
I want to flip that. I want to think about that as a superpower. So you're really, really good at noticing things that are wrong, that can be improved, can be edited, and then actually do that right? So it's a really good time to tidy and wrap things up, um, focus on administrative tasks at work, or anything that requires a deep workflow state. So if you're creating something like you're writing a book, or you're writing um, a training manual, or you're, you know, just anything that kind of requires deep work and being in a flow state. Exercise this time of the month, um, nothing high intensity, um, but you don't necessarily have to do nothing. It's a good time to do Pilates or strength training. Okay, so that's the massive overview of hormones. And again, it was so just illuminating for me to learn this information and to be like, oh, oh my goodness. Okay, so if I just, you know, treat this like the weather and stop fighting it and stop expecting that I should just be able to be the same person mentally, emotionally, physical energy wise every single day of the month, like a man, (laughs) that's, that's totally unrealistic. And if I could lean into this and start to plan my life around this, man, I will feel so much more aligned and, um, at peace and enjoying my life so much more. And that's definitely been the case. So from a food and hormones perspective, I definitely take my hormones into account in terms of how I'm eating, what I'm eating, how much I'm eating, all of those things. So I'm going to share with you guys a little bit more of a lasered in um, look at the month in terms of what days to expect what things and maybe um, things that you can incorporate. So for food and hormones, um, days one through 10 is going to be the easiest time to eat very low carb and to practice a longer intermittent fast window if that's something that you're trying to do. Again, you're going to notice that you're at your lowest natural weight right after your period ends. Days 10 through 14, um, you may see some water retention on the scale. So I like to help my clients take this into perspective, if we're, especially if we're tracking daily weight, weekly weight. Um, it's very normal to see some water retention on the scale during ovulation. You're going to notice that you may crave fruits and vegetables and raw foods, so start to lean into that. Days 15 through 18 is another very easy time to eat very low carb and practice a longer intermittent fast. And it's actually the best time of the month to do a 24-hour to a 72-hour fast if that's something that you're trying to do. I'm not going to get into fasting on this podcast episode, um, but best time to do that if you are. Day 19. Um, And again, remember to take into consideration that for you, it might hit on a different day, right? Like I have some clients who Uh, Day 19 is like a massive hormone shift. For me, it usually does hit around day um, 17, 18, 19, pretty 20, pretty predictably. It's like right within that window. Um, Some clients I notice it might be a little bit earlier, some later, because again, maybe their cycle is a different amount of days than mine. Contextualize it for you. So, but typically right around here, um, day 19, massive hormone shift. Um, So this is when you're shifting from being estrogen dominant to progesterone dominant, and it happens pretty quickly. Um, So you may notice that you're craving extra carbs and or feeling extra hungry. So this is a great day or two, so like day 18 and 19 or day 19 and 20, um, to practice some carb updates with whole foods, um, meaning foods from the earth, right? So like whole foods and vegetables um, to uh, reset your leptin and ghrelin hormones. These are your hunger hormones. Um, Leptin is about how hungry you are. Ghrelin is about how full you feel, right? So um, 
again, just kind of expect that um, and you'll feel so much better, right? But I mentioned earlier in the episode, like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. It's just day 19, <laughs> right? Um, days 19, 19 through 28, so the 10 days leading up to your period, you will definitely be hungrier, right? So for those of us who are maybe only eating twice a day um, within like an eight-hour eating window, you might notice that you're hungrier earlier in the morning and it's okay to start eating earlier in the day, Um or switch from eating two meals a day to three meals a day um, when you're in your um, final 10 days leading up to your period, and that's totally fine. Your body burns an extra 200 calories per day during this time of the month. Why? Um, and you don't even notice it, right? It's because your body is basically producing or reproducing your entire uh, and a whole internal organ, right? Your uterus is like getting ready to shed the lining and like recreate itself, right? It's pretty incredible. Um, but it does require extra energy to be burned. So you can eat like an extra 200 calories per day and it's not going to cause you to gain weight, right? So lean into the fact that you're going to be hungrier during this time. You'll likely crave more fat um, our high fat foods as your body wants to get those extra calories in. So for me, I notice this is when I typically crave nut butter or chocolate during this time because they're both, you know, high fat, healthy foods. So you also might see some water retention on the scale towards the last few days. And it's interesting too, because if we're going with this kind of like looking at this as the four seasons, um, you can kind of just think about how you would naturally eat during winter, spring, summer, and fall, the types of foods that we tend to prioritize during these seasons. It makes a lot of sense to follow that from the hormonal cycle perspective as well. So again, you know, winter days one through five, in the winter, we typically hibernate, right? We are, or, or at least our ancestors did, right? So we're eating more meat heavy and probably some cooked non-starchy vegetables. In the spring, days six through 12, we're going to start bringing in some more produce, um, cooked produce, but also raw fruits and salad vegetables. Um, summer, days 13 through 17, we're probably going to be, you know, think about hot weather days, like you're not wanting to cook as much. So you're going to be eating heavier on the raw fruits and raw vegetables. And also being out in the sun all day, you're probably not as hungry, right? Um, your appetite gets a little bit more suppressed. So it's, it, again, that's that easier time to um, do a fast or eat more low carb. Um, and then fall, days eight through 18 through 28, we tend to eat more cooked fruits and um, making the pies, the fruit pies and the pumpkin pies and things like that and starchier vegetables like squash, pumpkin, sweet potato, carrots, etc. right? So it's a very natural way to follow the rhythms of nature um, and to incorporate that into your menstrual cycle and into how you eat. So I want to wrap up this episode by giving you guys some resources. So if you are not tracking your menstrual cycle yet, please, please start doing that. It's going to help you so much. Um, the Clue app is completely free. That's C-L-U-E. Um, I really love that app for tracking your menstrual cycle. Um, if you have like an iPhone or I don't even know, I have an iPhone, but maybe Samsung has this as well. The health app is already built into your iPhone and you can track your menstrual cycle through there as well. Um, another app that I really like is called Flow, F-L-O, and it's actually based off of this book that I really recommend. It's called In the Flow, but it's spelled F-L-O. So that book goes, or, goes over in a lot more detail um, everything that I've just shared with you about the different seasons of your menstrual cycle and kind of how to adapt your life um, and treat it like a superpower. Um, 
Another resource is to just start tracking on a daily basis your emotions, your hunger, your weight. And you can do this with a note on your phone. I have my clients practice this. And it once you, again, once you've started tracking this for about one, two months, um, on the third month, you'll be like, oh, okay, you know, it's okay. I just tend to notice that I feel a little bit angrier when I'm ovulating. Yep, okay, predictable. And then you can actually start to predict, right? So when you're planning out your activities, when you're planning out your food, when you're planning out your you know, metaphorical outfit, right, based on the weather forecast, um, it's going to start to feel so much more empowering. Not like it's happening to you, but it's happening for you. It's happening for your benefit, and you're leaning into that and actually using it to your benefit. So the last uh, resource that I have for you guys is again, you know, listen to episode 89, how to create your food dartboard and then add your hormones into your food dartboard, right? So during what hormonal times are you going to allow for different foods, right? And feel totally great about that. So for example, um, peanut butter for me is in my rarely circle. I try not to eat too much of it because it can be a trigger food for me. <laughs> yeah, I can find myself eating half the jar easily, right? It's highly palatable. It's delicious. Um, so it's in my rarely circle because it's hard for me to moderate, right? But I do allow myself to eat it in, when I'm PMSing, right? Those final five days leading up to the end of my cycle, I'll have some, you know, a couple of scoops of peanut butter with some unsweetened chocolate chips and that falls into my rarely circle, but my body is really craving it and it's prepared to burn those extra couple hundred calories and, you know, it's just craving high fat foods during that time of my cycle. So I find that I plan for that and I feel really, really good about that. Like it's no drama, no guilt, nothing whatsoever. Um, but again, it's because I've planned for it and it's because I can see the benefits of it um, at, when I'm planning it around that time of the month. If I were to just bust open some peanut butter, <laughs> you know, during, you know, day six of my cycle, I would be like, ah, what am I doing? And I would feel really bad about that, right? Um, so again, it's totally up to you how you want to set your food boundaries, incorporate those things. But I hope that this information has been really empowering to you. Again, um, it's a superpower. You get to dress differently every day. You get to show off all of those different outfits and different sides of you. And also it can be really just fun, um, empowering, and validating. If you need any extra help with this, I would love to interact with you a little bit more deeply on the topic. Again, remember that you can you know, get in touch with me through Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can send me an email to theketofit at gmail.com. And yeah, I hope that you guys have a fantastic week and I will be talking with you next week. Take care.